new episode of Talking Rivals, a show uh, talking about the best bleep and rivalry in all of baseball and sports. I am your co-host, Patrick, covering everything uh, Red Sox. And this is my co-host, Chris, covering everything Yankees. What's up? So what's going on? Nothing much. We got some... It's deadline day. Yeah, we got some news today. Not so good news. Some but, shocking uh, news, some bad yeah. news. And then we'll look ahead to prospects. And, and this is episode 35. If, uh, if you're following along, this is, our, I think, our fourth on YouTube, on video. And mm-hmm. 35th overall. And you can find us um, at Talking Rivals, at CP7NY, at Patrick Trotty. Also at sportnarium.com slash player uh, and streaming live on Roku on the Northeast Streaming Sports uh, channel and wherever else you get your podcast. So I think that's enough. Yeah, it's, I think we're out there enough. I think we're good. <laughs> and I mean, we get right into it with the CBA negotiations. And today was the deadline. And the biggest news that I got from it was <laughs> that the ML, the union for the uh, MLB side is willing to miss up to a month of games. Yeah. So all along, if they knew that, mm-hmm. what they weren't even in good faith. They weren't even negotiating in good faith. Right. Uh, you know what? And I'm, I, I was sitting back today and I'm like, when you think about it, the last two years, you know, forget about the play, the players made their money, right? They get guaranteed salaries, but, from the owner's side, they've lost a lot of money or not made as much as they should have, right? The last two years because of the pandemic, the first year, no fans at all. And then last year, you know, fans started to come back and everything, but they still didn't make anywhere near the money, I'm sure, that they would would have normally made in a normal season. So you would have thought that coming into this year, hey, let's get everything done. Let's make sure we have a, you know, we start on time. No problems. We want as many fans as we can back. Let's not piss them off or let's not piss off the players. And and it's like the total opposite. It's like, nope. There's no urgency. Yeah. There's absolutely no urgency. It's just I don't think either side wants to blink. And first, and I saw something. I forgot who tweeted it. It was, I think, yesterday or the day before. They said that, I think it was Ken Rosenthal said, what the unions are doing is basically offering a free floor mat to a brand new car. Like you go to the dealership and you're like, hey, can we talk about the price? Is that negotiable? Is it 20? Is it 25? No, no, no. We'll give you a cup holder. (laughs) Right, right. Just just pay the sticker price. Don't worry. But you have to pay extra for the cigarette uh, pack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's all good. We'll, We'll give you the WeatherTech stuff on the bottom. I, I, I don't get it. I, it. This is a billion dollar industry and they're like spitting on it or they're, you know, like they don't care about it. And I, to me, it makes no sense. I, you know, I said it and you, you said, you said respect. I said love for the game. I think it's both. I think both sides have shown no love or respect for this game. Yeah. The reason I didn't say love for the game was I think the players would have more love for the game. I'm thinking the owners, they kind of want to be cold and calculated and businesslike. Right which I respect that's, you know, you probably made your money being less emotional about it right. from the owner's <laughs> point of view, but they still should have some respect for the product. I mean, totally even great. just as a business person, you should respect the product that you're putting out there. And 
there's no urgency there's no love there's no respect there's no there's no give and take either side they're just kind of giving crumbs and they're right. not talking about the main ingredients yeah i i agree i mean to me it it looks like a carbon copy of every major industry or major company out there you know like look at jeff bezos how much money is that guy making a year and then his workers are not exactly making 50 60 dollars an hour you know they're making probably minimum wage or a little bit more 15 bucks an hour which you know is shouldn't shouldn't be acceptable in this country but it is what it is but it, to me it's the same thing yeah of course baseball they're athletes they're stars we're we're you know we're watching baseball because of them but then again on on the flip side you know not nothing against the players if one or two of them get hurt like if the best player in the in the league whether it's Mike Trout, Otani, whatever you want to m- mention, if the guy gets hurt, we don't turn off our TV and say, "All right, I'm not going to watch the baseball anymore." We keep watching. Or if our exactly. if our favorite player retires, we keep watching. So, I'm sure the owners look at it that way like, "You're just you're just a player. You're not a you know, you Right. The whole matter. economics of it is just it's replaceable talent. Right. Yeah. Every at the end of the day, that's all we are. We're all just replaceable, you know. Whether you're the greatest player in the league, or if you're a delivery guy for UPS or Amazon, you're just a worker, right? And that's how a lot of these big businesses look at us. We don't they don't look at us as as talent or as as a person. They just look at it as well. Well, you're just another guy that could be, or another woman who could be replaced. And I saw the the big. The big headline that I keep seeing on Twitter is it's billionaires versus millionaires. And that's the big debate, whether it's we all know that it's billionaires on the owner side, mm-hmm. whether they're worth a billion, whether they're worth a hundred billion, whatever. It's billionaires. Right. But the millionaire thing has been debated because some guys that just come up are making the league minimum, or they don't even make that because they they get it prorated because when they get called up. Right. They make a certain number off of the minimum. And right. I think it was 29% last year were under. Um, it was, there was a number where it was 71%, and then the other side was 29, and it was make under a million. Right. Um, so, where do you stand on the whole? Is it billionaires versus millionaires, or is that just being a little too simple? Uh, yeah, of course, that's a little too simple. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that are on the you know the bottom, the bottom end of the food chain in, in baseball. And I, but I think that also brings up an even bigger problem is how much the minor leaguers are paid. You know, the the regular minor leaguers, not the guys that are just got drafted in the first round that's working his way through that signed a you know a two million dollar signing bonus. You know, for being right, the first guy that you know had to go to college for the four four years yeah. and grinded through and then either got drafted way late or just signed as a, you know, spring training unrestricted free agent type of, they probably, they probably got a bonus. Yeah. And then I think they're making what 20,000 a year at the most. And, and that's where I think the bigger problem where I, I know they're not part of the union yet. Right. Because they make too little at the start and they make too much at the end. Right. Can you get, and there's no balance in between. Right. And it goes back to what we're saying off the air, regardless of what you're talking about in today's society, it's usually all or nothing. 
Right. And it's just, it's almost like an unpaid internship or barely paid internship at the minor league level. And then all of a sudden you could make, you could be like, look at, look at Soto or Wander Franco. They weren't hurting in the minor leagues, but they were still in the minor leagues. Right. And then all of a sudden they can make, you know, 182 million, $500 million contract, you know? So there's gotta be, it's gotta be a middle ground. So I support the players in that they want more for their minimum salaries. Right. But it's difficult because there's more to it than just the minimum salaries. Right. Because they went through, I mean, the, the link that you showed me, they're going through the main impediments to a, to a uh, deal. And you got the draft lottery. You have expanded playoffs, arbitration eligibility, minimum salary, which we just talked about, service time, rules changes. And that's not even to talk about the tax, the CBT. The service time, they've kind of agreed to that if the player, if a rookie finishes in the top two rookie of the year, right. that'll count as a year, which is great. I like at least they agreed to something or you know close to it. But the other things, they're like not even close. Another thing which I don't like whatsoever, I, I like expanding the playoffs, but the one that the players came up with. It's scary. Did you hear about this ghost wins? Oh, my God. That's awful. I heard about that. <laughs> it's on my Imagine starting a series and you're down 2-0. Yeah. In a I, best I of five. Yeah. I, I don't I, I don't know. It makes no sense to me. that They said they do that in the, uh, the KBO. I think that's Korean baseball, right? Yeah. They do it there. Let them do it there. That yeah, that's all right. That, here. Not everything we need to transfer over. Right. You know, if it's a if it's a best of five, the better team gets the you know the extra home game, or if it's a, or even better, if you want to do that first round wild card, make it a three game series at the better team's home, and that's it, and just leave it at that three game series and best of three. Yeah. You know uh, something, but I mean a ghost win. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, ghost win is not a good look. That that's like that, and that just brings up the ghost runner from last year, where we had in the extra innings, and brings up the seven inning double head. It just brings up all these bad memories. So no, I don't want to get anywhere near those things. The so. draft lottery, I think they're getting closer. Yeah, I'm okay. They're within that. a team or two. Yeah, I think one was at like eight or seven, and the other one was at four. They're getting there. Um, the CBT is the big thing. Yeah, that they're nowhere near each other. The proposal yesterday, if I get this correct, it was MLB wants to go from 214 next year, which is a little bit of an increase, up to 222 in 2026. The players want to start at 245 and go up to 273. So they are 31. So next year, they're $31 million difference. And then it just widens up to 51. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And that's not even close to each other. So, And basically, to put it in perspective, it's MLB <laughs> said, we'll give you a 2%, a 1.9% raise in, this, in the tax. Right. Okay. That's not even adjusting for inflation, but okay. Right. <laughs> 2%. Yeah. MLB players said, we want 16 so and that's just percentages, right? Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, there's a lot of room. Maybe uh, what about to start 
at like 225. And then yeah. lower, and then, you know, the one or two million dollar increments from there, maybe they'll be okay with that. You know, I, I don't know, but they're like nowhere near each other on that. So that's going to be, that's going to be a tough one. That's, that's one of the main reasons why this thing is not moving, you know, anywhere close to being resolved. And the tax penalties, I'm not going to get into it, but it's, it's their way off as well. And the MLB Players Association hasn't given another uh, proposal since the one in January for the tax penalties. Yeah. And I, you know what? And, you know, we've talked about it a lot too. And I, I get it. I get it from both sides. Like the players, they look at it as, as, as a, as a cap, right? Because, yep. you know, uh, one of the good teams is not going to go over it because number one, you don't want to, you don't want to have to give your money away because you just signed this guy to a contract, right? Like why do the Yankees want to give money to the lower end teams that, yeah. and then they end up not even putting it back into the players' salaries or even to their teams. They just pocket that money. So I, I get where, you know, like a, a Steinbrenner says, listen, I've been doing this for so long. I'm tired of giving these guys money. If they're not even going to put it back in to the league, you know, they're just pocketing the money. So yeah. I get that part, you know, and I get, and, and then, I mean, to lose a draft pick, yeah, that, that hurts too. And the international free agency and all that, that money too is, you know, they, they take some of that money away too. So I get it from, from the good, you know, from the big market teams that don't want to go over the limit. But then every once in a while, like last year with the Dodgers, this year with the Mets saying, all right, yeah. the heck with it. we're just going to go and we're just going to do what we got to do to win. And I, I respect that too. But I but think I at the very least, there's got to be a floor. Yes, I I totally agree. And it's got to be the ceiling. It doesn't have to be a hard ceiling or a hard right. cap. Because if you, in my theory, is if you want to, if you want to spend money, go ahead. Like, right. There should be a suggested number, and then after that, there's a tax. Right. Whether it's fifty cents on the dollar, whatever, come up with some sort of tax. But <laughs> if you want to, there's no, there's no direct correlation between winning and spending money. We see it all the time. Right. Teams with the highest payrolls don't always win. But if right. you want to go over, go ahead. But you have to pay. And that money has to be used next year in the salaries. Right. So. Exactly. And, and you know, we've talked about it, too, with, with how little some of these uh, other the small market teams are putting into payroll. You know, like you got teams that have 30 and $40 million payrolls. And that's, that's, that's embarrassing. Ridiculous. I mean, come yeah. on. You, you can't do that, especially for Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore's not in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland is not exactly you know, <laughs> right. I, I, Bumble blank, North right. Dakota. It's just you know, <laughs> exactly. it is what it is. I mean, some of these teams are they're going through ownership turmoil and right. But if you can't, if you can't, I can see it from their point of view. Look, we can win seventy five games right. with a thirty million dollar payroll like Cleveland. It's going to be tough to get them to to get the owner to budge and have to triple his payroll to get an extra what five ten wins. Right, if that, if they're lucky, if if, if everything yeah. breaks right for them, right? If the guy yeah. that they signed doesn't get hurt, and if he performs the way he's supposed to, and and all that, yeah, I agree. And and we we said it too. The biggest problem or the biggest thing is, or one of the biggest reasons why this is so big market, small market is the TV contracts. Right. Yes. Yankees would. Yes. Uh, Boston would. Ness in 
the Mets with SNY. Their TV contracts are just they own their they own their own. And TV. they should keep so, all that money. It, it, I mean, right. <laughs> I I personally I'm in New York, so I'm stuck watching a lot of Yankee pregame and all that's the media, the market media. But SNY and Yes do it really well. And if they put money into their production, so does Nesson. And put right. money into getting on-air talent, they should reap the benefits. Yeah, so, I agree. The thing that scares me the most is, and this goes back to, I know we've been crapping on Manfred for a while now, but I'm going to add to it because in December, Manfred said there would be no rule changes on-field rule changes would be off the table right. during negotiations. Since then, the league has now proposed that it be allowed to implement rule changes such as a pitching clock by giving 45 days notice in advance instead of a full year. And according to Ken Rosenthal, the players reacted negatively to that. I agree. You can't. You can, listen. Last year was a great example of it with the tacky stuff. He wants to do it on the fly, and right, you can't do that. You got to listen. If he wants to say it before spring training starts, listen. Right. This is what we're gonna do. Fine. You have the whole spring training. Well, I like every off season, like what right. they do in the NFL with the rules committee. Yeah, right. They do it right. That makes sense. This way, yeah. you have a couple of months to figure it out. To like, oh, okay, I have a pitching clock now, or I have this, or whatever it is, the tacky, the, the tacky spider stuff. tack. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I, I hated that, that they changed it in the middle of the, in middle of the season because it's not right. Because, you know, for a while it's like, you know, you could use whatever you want. Just don't make it obvious. All right, guys. You know, <laughs> you know like, what <laughs> now, now they're saying, okay, now you can't use nothing. So yeah, you, it went from basically, Right. Look, well, you just take the HGH and the spider tack and you just right, do it. Right. <laughs> you just do it in the locker room. Just don't do anything on the field too blatant. And now it's like getting through the TSA. It's right. The airport. Yeah, you see it. They walk off the mountain and they're taking their, their glove off, their hat. You know, let me see your belt. You know, so it's it's a little bit out of hand. But I, that, that's why, it, to me, that that's a horrible rule. 45 days. I think it's. There needs to be just like you said, like football. Have a you know, have a committee set up during the off season, you know, and work it out. If they if they say okay, just, we vote on yeah. This. I think with the NFL, it's two thirds of the owners have to say yes. Yeah. For it to get to the next. Why does baseball is so different? We just said it earlier, but baseball is so different than any other sport. With every like, you can't compare baseball. With any other sport, in anything, with the draft, with the salary cap, with anything, it's just so, it's so different. And with baseball, there's big market, small market. You don't really get that in any other league. You know, with football, you could be playing anywhere, and you're going to be sharing. Green Bay Packers. Yeah. I mean, that would be like the Kansas City Royals or the Pittsburgh Pirates being perennial contenders every year. Yeah. And for a while they were, uh, you know, they had good teams for a while, but you know, once the TV contracts got out of hand, which they have, and you know, you're talking about, you know, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars that the Yankees or, or Boston makes or the Mets make compared to Kansas city's is probably under a hundred million. I don't know the exact figures, but they're nowhere near each other. No. So you can understand where this, 
but it doesn't. But the, the sad thing is, it doesn't happen in any other sport, and that's why it's hard to. Well, football does it this way, but you know, like you just baseball is like on an island, like with yeah. all their structure, their financial structure, and everything. It's it's tough. I was trying to think off the air. I was thinking about it, trying to come up with an idea how to simplify this whole process and just get it down to what's it really about, other than just money and not getting into percentages and too much. And I heard it on a show, another show I was listening to. And the announcer said, basically the players got screwed. The last two agreements, they gave up uh, the CBT, which is basically a hard salary cap pretty much. Yeah. More or less. Um, They gave up that they gave up some other things. Some concessions were made. They're trying to make it all back in this one agreement. Right. Instead, if they really wanted to get something done, they should just focus on one or two things instead of. Right. There's like there's like ten things out there. Financial. Like get one or two now, and then the and next. And the next time, up. get a couple. And the next time, get a couple. Yeah, you can't. Sometimes you can't get it all back in one. Just try to work, like you said, work on one or two. Like maybe and the that's minimum. That's why I think that it might be the whole. It might be well into the summer before we see baseball. I know. Last episode, I was like. By the end of this month, <laughs> I'm thinking now that they just they're gonna both sides are gonna go scorched earth and try to the players are gonna try to make back everything that they gave up. Right. And the the owners and Manfred are gonna say, you know what, we can push it even a little further. Right. We don't care. And it's sad, you know. And yeah. I, I thought, listen, talking all week, right? They started talking last Monday over the weekend, and then today I thought. Wow, if you could get seven straight days, now it's eight straight days of just talking, going back and forth, you would think something would have been positive, but it's just so negative. Like you said, I think the players are like, listen, we're, you know, their their strategy was listen, we're gonna get everything back that we lost instead of all right, you know what, let's get one or two this time. And in four years, when the CBA comes up again, we start working on the next right season. if they did service time and minimum salaries right and then <laughs> next time you do i i know it's leaving a lot on the table but you gotta you gotta prioritize and then just go after what you prioritize yeah and i i wish you know with the minimum salary getting back to the minor leaguers i wish they would have said listen we'll take we'll go down from our number if you put some of that money into the salaries of the minor leaguers, the low guys, like you said, that are making like $20,000 a year. Yeah, the guys that are like 28 in double A. Right. And they're not, living- not the guys that are, you know, yeah. 19 and signed uh, $3 million. Right. Uh, you know, you know, and, and guys that aren't going anywhere, but are still playing in your organization. Right. And you hear horror stories. I mean, you, you could look it up. I mean, it's really bad how the minor leaguers, the, those guys are, are treated and how they're paid. I mean, there are guys that like, played in college that say division one scholarship players and like the sec that said, yeah. I had better conditions in college than I did in the minors. That is, it's crazy. And that's not even taking into account the free education you're getting. Right. They're just right, talking exactly. about the on the field, like the conditions yeah. and stuff. So yeah, it's, no, it's bad. It's bad. And I, I, I thought maybe, you know, if you worked on minimum salary for the majors, you could throw that in and say, listen, we'll take a little bit less if you put more in to the minor league guys. You know, let them – I know it's not union members yet, but 
eventually some of them will become union members. So, but I know that's a whole other issue. So yeah, um, yeah, it's and, it's a, it's tough, you know. And then we got more surprising news today. I guess when it rains, it pours. With just out of left field news, and the next one up is Derek Jeter, and um, he left the Marlins front office. He, he released a statement today. The biggest quote that I took from it was, the vision for the future of the franchise is different than the one I signed up to lead. Right. And he said, now is the right time for me to step aside as a new season begins. Well, that's, I think you had plenty of time to do that. But Yeah, that's why I thought – I, I respected the, the decision to leave. I, I totally understand. If, you, you know, if, if it's not going the way you want it to go, or the way that you know they thought it, whatever I get it, but to leave right now, I, I thought, wow, that's the timing. I thought was crazy. I, obviously, it's at least to me, it seems like maybe he was like, all right, listen, we're close now to winning. Let's sign a couple of guys, go for it, and yeah. From what it. I read, it was they were negotiating, trying to negotiate with the Miami native Nick Castellanos, uh-huh. uh, who's a free agent. Oh, he was a very good player, and it's probably – I heard he wanted like seven years. Okay. And he's he's just a bat-first type of – but with yeah. the universal DH, you could still play – I mean, you know, right. he's a very good player. Right. Even I mean, if you give him five years, 100-something million, and apparently they were getting down to the nuts and bolts of the contracts, and they just couldn't come to an agreement. And I, I don't know if Jeter – and then they went into the lockout. So I don't know if Jeter said, look, a guy like this is what we're missing. Right. We need a big bat in our lineup, which is true. I mean, if that's the case, <clears throat> you know, it, it's it's got to be frustrating for him. I, I can't see him wanting to be um, how the Marlins have been, you know, for the last, you know, since they won the last World Series. If you're a professional, you don't want to put that on. You don't want to have your name on that record. Right. You want to win. You you want to yeah. be the, the, you know, I, I could see him saying, hey, let's go for it. You know, we, we're ready. You know, we we kind of, the last couple of years, we rebuilt this the franchise. You know, we brought in some young players. I think they got really good pitching right now. They could use a couple of bats. Yeah, they extended um, uh, Alcantara, but that was a team-friendly deal. And yeah. I'm Especially if you're somebody like Jeter that you tasted winning before. Yeah. Want it again. It's <laughs> right. not like this guy was a four-year pro and he just kind of bumbled around the league and didn't win. So right. he doesn't know any better. He's used to winning. Yeah. And so I, good for yeah. him to, you know, get out while he can. And I heard some speculation that he might be headed towards the Yankees again. Maybe I another winning spot was taking over Tony Clark's spot in the union for the oh, players. Wow. Uh, the third option that I heard on MLB network was he's just going to wait until this whole CBA is done and an expansion team comes out and then cool. he can have more say from the ground up. I like that, that, that would, that to me makes more sense. The union, I don't know if, I don't know if he wants to get in, involved in that. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, I just be- saw those as the three potential yeah. obvious landing spots. I, I mean, He's a competitive guy. You, you you know that. I We all know how competitive he is. So I could see him, the one getting in on the ground floor with an expansion team, that to me makes the most sense for him and whoever the expansion team is going to end up being because you got that marquee name 
to be running the uh, that would be great you know like yeah. if you're a fan wherever it is um that would be awesome for them uh, for a yankee fan i don't think there's a yankee fan out there that would not want him back in the fold somehow um you know maybe as a co-g you know like a old assistant gm for now co-owner whatever whatever he's going to be anything you want him back with the yankees so that's what i'm hoping for but if not and i hope that expansion team's in the national league because he's he's going to build a winner wherever he's wherever he's going he's yeah he'll definitely win. put in the work and yeah the due diligence and he'll end up being successful in whatever he does so yeah and that's why i thought florida was i thought florida was headed in the right direction um and this this year you know if we were talking about a, a you know our preview and everything else i thought we would have been talking about the marlins as maybe a possible wild card team you know maybe a team that could kind of stay close to Atlanta and, and the Mets, yep. if that's who we're going to be uh, leading that division. But um, yeah, it stinks. And for a Marlins fan, I, I feel bad for the Marlins fan. The few that are out there, they're probably like, you know, now we're going to keep, you know, working with a low payroll and, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel for free agents and hoping we could win. And, you know, it, it's sad, you know? Yeah. And um I guess we're up to the prospects, which is, a, you know, nice move forward. We can talk about actual on the field baseball and not not rumors and backroom deals. And <laughs> and uh, we take a look at the top 10. They just re-released or updated the top 10 list of prospects. You always see it on the bottom line on MLB Network and – so we'll we'll focus on obviously the Yankees and the Red Sox, um, probably the similar names depending on what list you look at. MLB.com, Fangraphs, Keith Law, just yeah. different order. Um, do you want to start? Did you want yeah. to go from ten or maybe just list the ten and then kind of pick out a couple that you're looking at? Yeah, we could do that. Um, the top ten on MLB.com for. The Yankees, number one, of course, we hear a ton about is Ante Volpe, the shortstop. Um, and second is another guy we've been hearing about for the past couple of years, uh, Jason Dominguez. Uh, then you got Oswald Peraza, the, the other shortstop that we keep hearing about a lot, especially for possible trade. Uh, Lewis Heal, the pitcher, or Lewis Gill, as we were calling him last year, <laughs> uh, came up a little bit last year, was, was great for a while. So, you know, I'm sure he'll I'm sure he's going to play a big part this year somewhere, either a starter or in a in the bullpen. Uh, Clark Schmidt is number five. Another guy we've been hearing about for a couple of years. He's he's actually 26. Yeah, he's been on the radar for a while. Yeah. I mean, he's been hurt. He was hurt last year. He pitched a little bit at the end. So he's going to be in the mix, I'm sure, this year as well. I don't think he's going to be in AAA this year unless they're going to keep him stretched out as a starter. Um, either he's going to be, you know, the four or five starter, or he's going to be in the bullpen, or like I said, they'll, they'll keep him stretched, stretched out in triple a, uh, number six, they got, uh, Austin Wells, the catcher. Um, I was just reading about him. Uh, it looks like defensively he's below average. He actually improved and he's still below average. They were saying, um, and he got better. But uh, so if he does make it, and they're saying his bat is good enough to make it, and his ETA right now is he, another year. 
they were saying they could even move him to first base and his bat's good enough. Yeah, that's that's probably yeah. I mean, if if your arm and if if your arm and your defensive skills are below average at catcher, you would have to be like Mike Piazza as a catcher, you know, as a hitter, excuse me, to make it yeah. as a catcher. And even then, I think they'd want you out of there. So um, I think, yeah, you, you'll probably start seeing him play more, a little more first base this year in the minors to, like you said, to take over maybe for first base, depending on depending on what happens to that's we, we could get into that in a few minutes. Yeah, I figure we'd list the 10 on each side and then maybe I'll ask you a couple questions that come to mind on okay. your side and then vice versa. OK, um, number seven is Trey Sweeney. He was just drafted um, last year, I think. Uh, shortstop, he's another guy probably going to move him off a of short. I heard first or third, maybe even the corner outfield. Um, next one is Lewis Medina. He's in double A, but I'm sure he'll be in triple A this year. Hard thrower, very hard thrower, high 90s, but his control is spotty, they said. Some games looks good. Some days he's all over the place, so... That's something that they got to fix, hopefully. I think I uh, saw him in the Winter League or the Caribbean League uh, for any topped out at like 100 this past yeah, year. Yeah. I was reading a little bit on him. Uh, you know, stuff is great, but his control's a little off. And so until that, until that gets better, you know. Uh, number nine is Ken Waldachuk, left-handed pitcher. Uh, he moved up pretty quick. He's up to double A, so we'll probably see him in triple uh, A. But I've been hearing we might actually – there might be a chance that he moves up quicker this year. So we might see him by the end of the year. I could see him coming out of the bullpen because he's yeah, got a ton of strikeouts. Yeah. If you On baseball reference, I think I was looking at because I saw the name. And I was like, I haven't heard of this guy's name. I hear all the shortstops for the Yankees. And- right. Right. <laughs> And this guy was averaging like double digits per nine innings. And he's another one. He's 24 already. So you could see him coming up quickly. And then number 10, they have listed as Yondres Gomez, uh, right-hander. I don't know much about him. He's in class A, only 22. I don't, I didn't really read up on him so much. Okay. I I mean, the the big question that I have from the outside, I mean, I've heard, I've heard of the first eight or so names and right. followed a couple of the shortstops from afar, but still following them. Um, what, what, uh, like, where are they going to go position wise with all the shortstops in the top 10? Well, I, is, I, is it going to be as simple as whoever has the best club stays at short and then just move the bats around? depending on where you have holes in the major league team. I mean, it might be. Um, Peraza has the better glove than Volpe, but Volpe's not bad either. I mean, it, he's not below average. He's he's still good at short, but they say Peraza's got the better glove. But the way they're pushing Volpe the last few months, you know, as the next great Yankee and all this kind of stuff, not the next great not, – not the next Jeter, obviously, but – uh, definitely the next great Yankee and all this kind of stuff. Um, I could see them bringing him up and he'll be the shortstop. Peraza, I, I would love to see him come up too, but someone's going to be traded. You know, that's the way I look at it. And if they're going to trade anybody, it's going to be 
out of a position where they have a lot of, you know, and I didn't even mention the other kid that they signed during the, um, Oh, Arcia. Yeah. He's not even, yeah, Oh, by the way, the top prospect <laughs> in the class right. that they signed the 16 year old. Right. Right. And there's another, another shortstop number 12, just to go a little further down is a shortstop as well. It was only 20. Wow. So, and, but he's small. He's probably that, you know, he's only 5'11, 148. You know, they said he's not the big power guy, but maybe he fills in, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I, so I, if they're going to move anybody, it's probably going to be one of those guys in a, in a trade. And Peraza is worth a lot in a trade. So you would think if it's going to be, uh, if they make a trade for Olsen, because we've been hearing about that for so long, um, that would be, he would probably be the guy that's going to lead that trade package. Right. You know, and he's, He's more or less ready to come up, you know. I mean, uh, I don't know if they'd want to start him this year at short, but maybe bring him up later on. I think either way, we'll, we'll see him at some point this year. I don't know if we'll see him right out of the gate, but um, and Volpe, another question that uh, comes up is year. when we're talking prospects. I always like to ask. It's two parter, but one is first part is who's got the best individual skill set? Like you know how they do the twenty to eighty scale. Right. Who has something that just jumps out? It might not be the best prospect or the best all around, but like, is there a guy that you always hear that's the fastest or just lightning, uh, you know, like tower power, like light tower power? I would think that has to be uh, Dominguez, right? We've been hearing about him for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and, and this past year was the first time he was in any kind of real pro ball because the year before, obviously, with the pandemic, there was no minor leagues or anything like that. So, um, but he did struggle this year. But they said when when he when he hits the ball, and w- w- you know, like if you see it on on Twitter, if someone posts a video of it, you could hear the noise. I mean, it's just like when Sounds Otani hits. Yep. Yeah, it's just it's and ridiculous. he looks the part. I mean, he is he is jacked up, <laughs> and he's only nineteen. Yeah, you know, he's still a kid. He's still only nineteen now. So. Um, and I guess the second part to that question is, I know it's tough to look beyond like the top five or 10, but if there was just one person, it could be in the top 10, you could have already mentioned them. Is there one person that's kind of like under the radar or like a personal favorite that you just were like, this guy might not be the best, but he's going to, he, you know, he's a guy that I'm pulling for. It could be like, uh, it doesn't have to be the best player. Cause we always hear Volpe, Peraza, Dominguez. Right. Is there somebody that you could see, like Wald the Chalk, or somebody that just will come out of nowhere? Hopefully, for the well, I don't know if he, yeah, I don't know if he's going to come out of nowhere, but Piera, the uh, Everson Pieria, okay, the outfielder, he's ranked thirteenth. I keep hearing a lot about him. Um, his biggest issue is staying healthy, but when he's when he's playing, they said he's you know hitter. He could play the field well, but his problem is he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. He was up a little bit last year. So you might, you, you might see him up this year too. Um, I, I, I mean, I just think there's going to be a big trade. That's, you know, with all these shortstops that we have and we do have a, sh- a need at shortstop, I could definitely see a, a, a trade um, guys that I'm rooting for. I'm, I'm rooting for Clark Schmidt because we've been hearing about him for so long that, you know, he's already 26. I mean, He's got to be up this year. If he's not, yeah, now's the time. I think if he's not in the rotation this year, he's, you know, then something like he either got hurt or 
you know, something really bad happened because even they said when he's healthy, he's he's definitely going to be a, a starter. So and um, to all the guys you're mentioning, you haven't even mentioned because he probably uh, graduated from it. But Florio. Yeah, that's another guy. I mean, we keep hearing about, but the biggest thing for him is that we keep hearing that he he's not, you know, he just strikes out a lot. He's just not a good hitter. So, you know, because otherwise he would be a perfect candidate to replace Gardner on, on the roster this year to yep. be the fourth outfielder. He could play center field, especially, you know, Hicks is going to get hurt at some point. <laughs> he's not going to make it. So um, I, I, I always said, just bring him up. Why? But we'll see. The Yankees are going to sign Gardner. I, I, I got a feeling because he wants to play. So they're going to sign him again to be the fifth outfielder and, He's going to tell you, it's going to be breaking news on the bottom line. And yep. Yankee fans are going to be like, wait, is it Olsen? Is it Day Rizzo? One. Is it Freeman? <laughs> Rec Gardner. Day one, the lockout First ends. Order of business. <laughs> right. Day one, the lockout, the lockout ends. Yankees re-sign Gardner one year, $5 million contract or something. There you you know? go. So, but I, you know what? At this point, you know what? I have the kid play. He did play a little bit last year. He didn't look bad. Um, yeah, if he hits 220. Yeah. Or whatever uh, it is, what it is. I mean, he's your fifth outfielder. If he has to play every day, then all right. Then then let's worry about it. Then if we have to make a move, we'll make a move. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a tough. They love Gardner and and most Yankee fans like him, but they also know like, all right, you know what? He's more or less done. You know, he's thirty eight, thirty six. He is what he is. There's no getting better. Yeah, and. I was saying it yesterday on a Twitter feed uh, thing. I was commenting, but I was like, if you look at the free agents that are available, there's really not much out there. You know, after you take off the top two or three guys, there's a huge drop off where there's just guys. You know, would be really good for the Yankees. I think he's played with you guys before. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent. McCutcheon. Yeah, he's available. Yeah, you're right. Maybe as your fifth outfielder. As your fourth outfielder, you could do a lot worse than Andrew McCutcheon. I think he hit 20 home runs last year with the Phillies. Yeah. Can he still play center? I guess he that, can. I'm not sure. If he could play center, I would say absolutely. You know, because I, I loved I I loved him when he was with Pittsburgh. Yeah. Great player. I mean, obviously nowhere near that MVP type right. player right. that he was with Pittsburgh, but yeah, I would but yeah, to your point, the outfield is a little <clears throat> it's hit or miss with the free agents. Yeah, when you look at the list, it's really there's I added, you know, like the guy I would love to sign, but I know they won't because they don't want to go over the cap. Is I would love for them to bring in Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant could be a guy that could be your extra outfielder, play third base, first base. Okay, I was gonna say you're not even starting him. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean you can move okay. him around, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he is versatile. Here's here's another thing. You could put him at third, put Geo at short. That could be your infield. And you know what? Then you go from there. Like when Hicks gets hurt. And once a week, put Brian out in the outfield. Yeah. And you know what? And when Hicks gets hurt, you move him to to center. You move Geo back to third. And then you bring up the kid. Imagine that lineup. I'm just trying to think, trying to pitch to the Yankees lineup. Chris (laughs) Bryant. Well, it would be Judge. Chris Bryant, you break him up with a lefty. So if you're trading for Olsen. That would be ideal. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to happen, but that would be ideal. Yeah. And with the Red Sox top 10, it's um, it's interesting because it's 
it's not that many pitchers. There's only three pitchers in the top 10. And that's something they've struggled with for a while is, but I guess I'll just go through the list and then talk about them later. Uh, the first one is Marcelo Meyer, uh, shortstop. He was the fourth overall pick last year. So he's already he vaulted up to number one. Uh, I think he is right around Volpe's overall ranking. I think Keith Law had Volpe 15 and he had Meyer, I think as high as I've seen as high as number nine overall in baseball, but he's only played in rookie ball. So uh, the second guy is first baseman Tristan Cassis. Some people know him from the summer when he played on the Olympic team, hit a bunch of home runs for the USA team. Um, big guy. I think he's ready to go this year, but he's only played maybe like a week or two in AAA. Right. But he's mashed at double A. And third guy is a guy that's similar to uh, Florial in that he's gotten some run with the big league team. Speedy outfield there, Jaron Duran. So they list him here because he hasn't played a full season yet. But for all intents and purposes, he's on the big league club. Mm-hmm. Fourth is a really interesting second baseman, Nick York. He was. I want to get this right. He was drafted in the first round in 2020, even though he didn't play his senior year of high school. He was such a good hitter that he got injured and they still drafted him in the first round. Um, They listed him as the best high school hitter on the West Coast coming in the draft. And um, basically, he's just jumped up. I want to get the stats right. He batted. Yeah, he batted 325 as a 19-year-old in A in A ball and A advanced already. Hmm. So he's jumping up the list. He jumped over the next guy who's pretty good name, Jeter Downs. <laughs> That's when you know you're getting old, when the guy that you saw in person <laughs> is named after – when the guy that you're rooting for now is named after somebody you rooted against right. in person. It's It's incredible. But Downs dropped to number five because he just had a really bad year last year. and I think he batted 200 at the best. Uh, and then six, seven, and eight are pitchers. Um, Brian Bello, Brian Mata, and Jay Groom. And they're all expected to arrive sometime within the next year or two. Hmm. At the most, two. And, but the problem is none of them none of them project to be like number one or number two, even starters. They project to be solid fourth or fifth starters. Um, Some of them have had injuries. Jay groom was the lefty who is a little similar to Clark Schmidt in that um, he's already 20. Let me get this right. He'll be 24 in August. So he's been around for a while and he's just getting to triple a. Right. So he had arm he had arm injuries, he had off-field issues. They signed him right out of high school, gave him three and a half million dollars. And then he had Tommy John. And so and the the real I'm gonna answer one of my questions that I asked you. The real the guy that really gets me going on this list is the ninth prospect, Blaze Jordan, <laughs> third baseman. <laughs> Yeah, he's just 
he's he's got lightning he's got light tower power he um when he was when he was 11 he he won his first national home run derby and then when he was 13 he smacked a pair of 500 foot home runs jesus i don't care if you're using a metal lawn chair <laughs> right. 500 aluminum is- four by four i mean five and at 13 that's yeah and they gave him almost two million dollars and he was a third round pick so they gave him two million dollar signing bonus not to sign with mississippi state but to come to the minor leagues with them and the 10th guy on the list rounding out the list is gilberto jimenez who uh who is, I would say, kind of like Florial in that he just he's all speed and defense. Uh, they list his running ability on a 20 to 80 scale as a 70. Wow. Yeah. But he's, uh, they signed him for, like, this is what we were talking about. They signed him for $10,000 on Dominican Republic as a teenager. Like, mm-hmm. those guys need more money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're just moving to America and you get ten thousand dollars. I agree. <laughs> so, um, but the biggest takeaway for me from the Red Sox list is the future infield. I just mentioned the future infield. Blaze Jordan at third is like a right-handed Rafael Devers. Hmm. Nick York at second. He's just a born hitter. Cassis at first and Meyer at shortstop. So within the top nine. Right now, I see four, the starting infield in 2024. So, that, I guess I just moved Bogarts onto another team and put Devers as DH. But it's, again, the lack of pitching is scary. But now you, you also left off, this would be my first question, like if all those guys hit, no pun intended, but if they all like – get up to the majors, what about Jeter Downs? Do you think he'll be either uh, – and let's say if he starts hitting, let's say if he gets back to – I think he's a utility. He's the – he's like a – trying to give a Yankee comparison. Like a here. super utility guy? Yeah. He could be like a – Like a Tyler Wade, a guy that could play all over the place. A little play. better than Tyler Wade, but similar, yeah, because they list him as shortstop slash second base. And okay. his question has always been, can he stay at short? Oh, okay. With the glove. And then all of a sudden you start batting 200. It's like both things are question marks. And they I mean, he went from two to five in the organization, the prospect. Right. Yeah. That's so right. he got, he got jumped by a guy who everyone was thinking in Nick York, who everyone thought was drafted way too high. And he got jumped by, he got jumped by two infielders that just got drafted, which is never a good sign. Hmm. But, um, there's uh and and Jeter Downs is famous for being, among other things, one of the pieces that they got back for the Mookie Betts trade. So he's got I think he's got probably the most pressure out of the top five. It's him, got, you know. Yeah, and then a guy that came up last year for a little bit, um trying to see where they list him. It's Connor Wong, the catcher. He came up, he's He'll be a he'll be a forty man roster guy, right? So basically, for Mookie Betts, they got two or three guys, one starter, 
in uh, Verdugo and then two prospects. Right. That's why I say be careful when you trade Judge or if you trade Judge. Yeah, no, you got to make sure. There's a, lot of, can... there's a lot of pressure on Jeter Downs, to your right. point. It's um, a lot A lot of these guys are going to be here. I mean, you know it too with the Yankees. They're going to be here sooner than later. And I'm looking at the ETA on some of these guys. I think Tristan Cassis could be <laughs> – it hurts him now with spring training not being there, but – I think I I think he's got a really good shot at, at being the first baseman this year because who do you really have at first? I think they're going to platoon because he's a lefty and he mashes right-handed hitting. Right. Dahlbeck is a righty who hits lefties well. That would make sense. So Cassis is 22. He just turned 22. 6'5", 260. He's... And he's an above-average fielder. Can't be worse than Dahlbeck. So, right. <laughs> uh, so it's a righty-lefty split. It's kind of like uh, a younger version of Voight and Rizzo. And you know what? Even with these big market clubs, I think some fans get a little at it, get a little crazy with, oh, we got to sign this guy, we got to sign that guy. You got to have some young players in there to kind of balance it out. You know, the yes. salary cap. You know, because salary salary tax and all that. Yep. You can't just blow through that every single year, you know, and expect to, to develop guys too, to, to get guys into the farm system to develop. So you got to kind yeah, of Red Sox fans. I would just say, be patient with the infield because the, the infield that you have right now is not complete, but the left side of the infield is great right now with Bogart's endeavors. Right. But even though the right side doesn't look that great right now, the infield is coming. The infield of the future is almost there. And uh, I think they could spend money in the outfield and pitching. Right. And that would that'd be a preview for the year, but not to not to get ahead of ourselves too much. But, uh, I mean, they did the, – I'm looking at other guys in the prospect list. They did shore up um, some of the depth when they traded Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. They also got another guy who's already 16th on the list and he just started playing minor league baseball hmm. and he's supposedly going to jump up pretty quick. So outside of the top 10, are there, is there anybody else who's going to, other than this kid that you're talking about? Yeah, there's a guy is short. And guess what? Another shortstop. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, I think that's the, uh, you have to be a shortstop to be drafted and be a top prospect. If you're going to be a position player, but uh, this guy Matthew Lugo was drafted in the second round, but in 2019, but he didn't. He's the nephew of Carlos Beltran. He attended. He went to Beltran's baseball academy in Puerto Rico, so he wasn't. He wasn't in the the continental United States in the circuit doing prep okay. ball and all that. So he kind of flew under the radar. But he just turned 20, and he's an A ball. He turns 21 during the year, so he'll probably be in double-A. I mean, you got Mayer is the top of the top for their shortstops, but he's in rookie ball. Right. This guy will be the next one. And then Jeter Downs. So they've got, just like the Yankees do, with Volpe and Peraza and Pereira. Mm -hmm. They've got – I think shortstop is pretty much set. It's just a matter of which one takes the mantle for both of our teams. Right. Who takes and who might get who might end up getting traded. And who moves to second. 
Yeah. And and you know, like, if you could get a, the shortstop, you know you're getting more or less the best athlete on the field. Yep. So if it doesn't work out at shortstop, you know he's going to be able to move around. Second, third, center. Field, right, something. So Yeah, I, look I at a guy like Trey Turner. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, and I think that's why these teams draft shortstops, you know, because they know, listen, you can never have enough because you could always move them around. Or they're going to be mm-hmm. worth – or they're very valuable in, in trades as well. And that's what, yeah, there's, call. there's two ways that I look at it. I, I, I think the, the Red Sox haven't allocated a lot of money beyond Chris sale. I mean, on their books for next year is Chris sale and Xander Bogarts hmm. and everybody else's arbitration. That's not, so that's great. <laughs> that's a good problem to have because yeah. you can mold the roster, but I mean, based on what I've been saying with the infield, with the prospects, I think Bogart's endeavors, there's a good chance that at least one of them doesn't see their contract out. One of them either gets traded, like Devers gets traded before. Right. I don't think they signed Devers to a $300 million contract. Right. I can see the big the big headlines from this year being Judge and Devers get traded. It's and, very possible. The rich keep on getting richer with prospects. And, and you know, and they would never do it, but if no. you traded them, it would make sense because you guys need the outfielder and we could use a corner guy. And you, you were saying maybe Devers can move over to first. Yeah, That's he could exactly play like three years at third, three years at first for you. Yeah, but that would never happen. No, they would never. T- <laughs> two superstars or star- stars, whatever. Yeah, yeah. that would be. But it's almost like for a pretty good show, and it would be a great trade because it fills needs for both teams, Um, you know. But uh, yeah, it'll never happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I wouldn't even put that into the computer because I think I would just break my desktop. Yeah, yeah. try to put that into the trade value machine. Yeah, Yeah. that that. But it would be it would be great chatter for sure. who do you think? All right, if it does happen, one for one. Who who do you think wins that trade? Oh, you guys. You think because so? he's younger. Yeah. Yeah. That's. True. I mean, I guess you could say Judge brings more all around because of his glove. Right. But I think if you sign both of them to six-year deals for the same amount of money and switched teams, traded them one for one. You got to give the slight edge to I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be biased, but I'm just saying because Devers is younger. Yeah, that, uh, how much how old is he? Devers 20, is 25. Oh wow. That's about five years younger, right? Right. Yeah. So even though he's gonna come off a third base, you could still put him at first and DH. Right. And you could probably get him a second contract. True. You could probably sign Devers to 10-year contract and sign Judge to a six-year, and they'd both end up at the same spot age-wise. So yeah. Um that'd be interesting. I we should do <laughs> that in a form in a in a upcoming episode. Look at former trades between the teams. Cause there have been a couple that have yeah, nothing major at. though. Nothing, yeah, nothing, nothing like, like that. that. That would have been wasn't there a rumored trade for DiMaggio and Ted Williams? Yes. Because, I mean, think about it. DiMaggio hitting over the green monster. 
Oof. I mean, DiMaggio would just reach out and poke it, and it's a double. Yeah. Right off the wall. And then the short porch and right for Ted Williams. Yeah, he would love that too. Yeah. That that would, been... Can you imagine? I can't imagine a, a trade like that, you know? No, that would have been. It's just crazy. I don't know who wins that trade. I think they're both good on their teams, obviously. <laughs> I would have just said, no, I'm not risking it. Yeah. I wonder who, who th- like, who is the one that, was it Boston that said we'll trade you, or did the Yankees, like, who was the one that made a Boston take- fan, I'm going to say Boston stupidly said, yeah, let's take <laughs> the greatest hitter we've ever had and trade him. But we'll um, I think it, I'm trying to remember the owner at the time. Was it Yawkey? Uh-huh. Probably, probably just said, "Look at look at DiMaggio's swing." Um, I think yeah. that was in right field. Uh, I mean, in left field for <laughs> right. I'm um, trying to find the proposed trade, and back then it was. I don't. I don't know how to explain it the right way. It baseball is a lot of hyperbole and a lot of word of mouth. Right. Right. So in 1947, the Yankees GM Larry McPhail met with Tom Yawkey. Okay. Regarding such a move. Um, a verbal agreement was reached, and then a day later it dissolved. One assumption is both. Both GMs were good friends who would enjoy an adult beverage often to excess. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, that, that makes baseball sense. stories are all like, you know, they're in a smoky room. Hearsay. And... I heard from the bus boy. But apparently it was one trade scenario had Yogi Berra as part of the eventual package. Wow. Can you imagine if oh. it was DiMaggio and Berra? For For Ted Williams, and I'm trying to think who the catcher was. Wow. That's a – well, if you got to think about it this much, he probably wasn't that good (laughs) or as good as Yogi Berra, right? I mean, Very true. Very true. But – Yeah. Um, Yeah, that would have been amazing, though. But that's a good that that's a good uh, thing we could talk about next next um, episode. Any moves that we made, you know, deep between the Yankees and the Red Sox. I might have yeah, I mean, trivia, but we could really. I get remember into there was it. there was a lot of guys on the fringe that signed with both teams that played with both, like Stephen Drew. I remember yeah. Kevin Euclid played with the Yankees for a little bit. Yeah, he was hurt a lot too. Yeah, that was past his prime. And speaking of Euclid, uh, I guess this is kind of news related. They're they're trying to get him to be the broadcaster for Nesson. Oh, okay. They're trying, I I think they're trying to do a three man booth, the play by play, Eckersley with half the games mostly home, and then a third guy, either Euclid or Will Middlebrooks, hmm. who is. I can't even consider him a Red Sox. He was there for like three years. He's like a Carlos Beltran. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember. I remember him. Definitely. I mean, they, he did win a title. So. Yeah. Well, you got to bring in somebody who, who the fans remember, 
you know, yeah, Eucalyptus, Middlebrooks. That's that's cool. That works for me. Ac- as long as Eckersley is still there. Think about it, the Yankees going to have Carlos Beltran and Cameron Mabin. Yeah. Mabin played what three months with us or something. Now this is a dumb question. What happens to Michael K now? Oh, he's still going. He's the main because he's doing the Sunday night games. Yeah, he's doing that Sunday night uh, Manning cast or whatever with. Uh, with so A-Rod. what happens if the Yankees are on Sunday night games? It's just it doesn't matter because it's a moot point because it's on ESPN anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it's going to work, and I'm sure. Maybe even you know how Saturday games are sometimes nationally te- televised too, and right, so, it'd be I the mean, equivalent of that for Sunday. Yeah, I what I would think they're going to do is for those games that he's going to be doing, which I don't know if he's going to be doing every Sunday night game, but if it's going to be if we have a season, <laughs> we're talking about like it's happening. But um, if it does, then I would think uh, that series, Michael K wouldn't do that series, that whole series, or maybe he sure. will, and just on Sunday. You know, instead of working for Yes, he's going to be working for ESPN. Either way, he's a, he's a busy man. <laughs> yeah, no, he's got the radio show. He's got that, and you know. And Cone so. and O'Neal still. Uh, well, Cone is doing. ESPN. He's doing the main ESPN. telecast. The main. Okay. And I think he, I said it when it first happened. I thought he would have been better than A-Rod in the Manning cast type of thing because he loves to talk. You know, about A-Rod there. It's, it's all just headline. Marquee name, not that David yeah. Cohn is a schlub, but right, no, no, no. <laughs> but I, the average, I just, yeah. the average fifteen-year-old baseball fan is going to see a Rod and say, "Oh, I got to right. listen." Right, rather than, but the fan like me or you would rather sit there and listen to Cohn because Cohn is. I always said I, and I still think he he does the best job marrying the old school and the new school analytics. Like, right, just, like whatever numbers he starts throwing out, he'll say, "Okay, what that means." is this. And then you're like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. You know? And, but he's great. Um, he's probably the best out there right now. I just hope yes, never loses him because he does such a great job on the, yeah. on, on the game. So I'm trying to look to see if, um, there's any news on the lockout, any, any breaking away. Either way, it's probably not positive. <laughs> yeah. It's probably not positive. I saw where Manfred is, Pretty much, pretty much done for the day, or yeah. at least walking out of the. Uh, yeah, forty minutes ago, he could be seen walking out. So, all right. So let me hit you up with a couple of trivia. Yeah, sure. Before we go, all right. Let me say this right. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven players. With the, I'll say it this way: the most seven players with the most top five finishes in MVP voting okay. that are not in the Hall of Fame. Two of them are still playing, technically. Trout. That's one. Miguel Cabrera. Right, that's two. Okay. They both oh. Cabrera had seven, and Trout has nine top fives. That's so nuts. Far. <laughs> so far. And so there's five more that yeah. aren't in the Hall of Fame that are retired. Right. That are not in the Hall of Fame. Okay. And they're Keith retired. Hernandez? No. Don't Don overthink Mattingly. it. Don't overthink it. Not Mattingly, no. Not in the Hall of Fame. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, they could have not been in the Hall of Fame yet, but just retired. Right, or for other reasons. <laughs> oh, hello. Uh, duh. <laughs> hello, that, that, that opens it up a little bit. Right, Alex Rodriguez. Barry Bonds. Six. Barry Bonds. Twelve top five finishes. Do I dare say Roger Clemens? No. Okay. <laughs> so I got two, the two that aren't retired, the two that are active, and two that are retired. So I got, what, three more? Uh, Yeah. There's, there's hmm. seven altogether. So there's three more. One, two. None. Hall of Fame. I'm surprised you don't have this one. He's still he was he's still active. Still, I thought you said the two were active. I'm sorry, oh, yeah. three. Uh oh, three. Three are active. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I have to take one more. Oh, uh, the third one that's active is he's got 10 top fives. And he's a three-time winner. Albert Pujols. Right. So you got the last two now. Okay. So think of and one they're, guy. They're retired and it's and they're not in the Hall of Fame yet. I don't both, know. Both names are pretty much talked about all the time about Hall of Fame. One all the time about getting into the Hall of Fame. Jeff Kent. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> He's got to have a few, right? He's got to have at least three. Yeah. Uh, I would think. Gary Sheffield? No. I'm overthinking it. I don't you, know. A guy that always about the about getting into the Hall of Fame. Always. Who is it? Pete Rose. Oh, hello. Okay. <laughs> For other reasons. Yeah. yeah right. The other guy, not so much, but we always hear his name too. Dave Parker. Yes. Okay. I was gonna I was gonna start overthinking and say Dwight Evans and <laughs> man. <laughs> no, I got the first couple no, real quick and then it was just no that's steroids never don't happened. Overthink this because it's it's simple, but it's you know, whatever. But all right, this one's a little bit harder. Um players, five pitchers that have won the World Series MVP and multiple Cy Young Awards. World Series MVP and multiple Cy Young Awards, Randy Johnson. That's one. I'm going to give you the two older guys. Because Bob maybe, Gibson. Yeah, that's one. And Sandy Koufax. Right. Okay. So there you go. Bing, bang. <laughs> All right. Now you got All two right. more. Oh, boy. I thought there was only three. Huh. Five altogether. You got three. And they're even older than that? No, no, no. The other okay. two are guys that we've seen. For Clemens. Sure. Nope. World Series MVP and multiple Cy Young Awards. What yeah, I was just I was wondering if he won the World Series MVP when he when he won with the Yankees. No, no. no. One of them is I think easy. The other one I I would have never have guessed. It. But it's Jack pretty- Morris. No. One's an American League pitcher. The other one's a National League pitcher. Okay. Um, I don't want to give you the whole thing. Yeah. Huh. 
One World of them Series MVP as a pitcher. Um, one of them is a Hall of Famer, and one, and of, one of them was one of them got knocked off on the first year in the, on the ballot. Wow, and he has that resume. Yeah, that's a, that's incredible. Um, got one point seven percent of the votes. This is gonna be. This is a stupid answer, but. You miss all the shots you don't take. So, Johan Santana. No. He didn't win a World Series MVP. I'm just think thinking, I'm trying to piece together. Did he win multiple Cy Youngs? I could have swore he did with Minnesota. Maybe. Or it might have been top five finishes. Um, one of them is easy. I th- uh, Give me the easy one. Uh, I'll give you the year, 2014. No, I'm sorry. That's the year he went into the Hall of Fame. Uh, 2014. The National League one is the easy one. Think of a team that's been good in the National League during the 90s. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, really good pitching. <laughs> 2014 he went in? No, I'm sorry, yeah, in the Hall of Fame, yeah. Maddox? No. Smoltz? No. One more. Gladden. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And all right, the other one was. I have no clue in the other one. The one he won it in the 80s. He was very good in the 80s. He also, all right. um, Very good in the 80s. American League, but he also pitched for the Mets. That should give it to you. Think of a team that think of a team that's only got two World Series titles. This one, and they won pretty recent. David Cohn? No, but you're kind of on the right track. No. I, I don't know. I'm blanking here. Brett Saberhagen. Oh, he was a really good pitcher in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm just looking up Brett Saberhagen's stats, and I would have thought he would have won more games. We're talking about the Hall of Fame, and he had a couple of really big years, but you know, then he was injured, and then kind of just fell off. And he was actually with Boston at the end of his career. I didn't, I didn't realize he he was with Boston in 2001. Wow, that's uh, that's random. Yeah, yeah. He I won totally twenty six. He won twenty six games in four years with Boston. He they had four years. Yeah, if you want to talk about a random thing, I don't know how you could quantify this and do a uh, a question, but <laughs> the two thousand one Boston Red Sox, and we'll end on this, is Hideo Nomo, David Cohn, Tomo Oka. That's their starting rotation, by the way. <laughs> they also had Tim Wakefield, Pedro Martinez, and Brett Saberhagen. They had some, I mean, they had Pedro and David Cohn. They had some great pitchers, just, just random, a random conglomeration of 
Remember Rod Beck? Big time closer. Yep. He was like their sixth guy. Yeah. Right? Derek Lowe, Wakefield, Beck. Beck. Rich Garces. I think he was El Guapo. I was just, I thought of that, but I was like, is that him? Yeah, yep. that's El Guapo. They list him generously at six foot 250, which is being generous <laughs> yeah, on probably. the light side. <laughs> I remember the shirts. It just said El Guapo. It was like a player shirt, but it said like El Guapo is, I forgot the sentence. I don't think it's made for, for TV. Well, look at that. They even had uh, Ugetha Urbina. Oogie? Oogie. He was another From really Montreal Expos fame. Yeah, the, some random teams where you put together names and you're just like. That was just a it's name. It's not the right time to win. Yeah, that was just a name team, you know, because yeah. they only won 82 games that year. Yeah. Wow. Well, well when you forget the guy was on your team. That's not a good sign. But then you look at their their lineup, not great. And that's why. Yeah, that lineup was not great. Hatterberg, catcher. Yeah. And Brian Dahlbeck is the first baseman. For the next episode, I've got an idea just to give a little teaser. Hopefully, we'll have good news about the lockout. And then we can talk about free agent craziness that's going to happen. But if not, we can talk about Yankee Red Sox trades, and we can also do. I'm gonna ask a question and then go on a rant. <laughs> Were the Red Sox cursed, or was it just one year they had good hitting and no pitching, and one year they had good pitching and no hitting? You know, what was the difference between the Yankees dynasties and the Red Sox just missing out all those years? That's but a good one. yeah, hopefully, we have good news, and like you said. Yeah. Past episodes, once we get baseball back, it'll be crazy week or two weeks of free agency. Yeah. Oh, I think it's going to be insane when when everything ends. I there's no doubt because I think players are going to want to know where where they want to you know where they're going to end up playing and if they got to move. You know, they got families. They're going to move them from one state. I think to a lot of guys are going to be without the families for the first part of the year. They're yeah. just going to be. You know what? Stay at home with the kids. Finish yep. out the school year at Met in May or June, and then come and move in and do whatever you got to do. And baseball's going to start real quick. And I think the bad thing is, I think a lot of players, these contracts are not going to be great now. You know, they're going to be because they're going to be done quick. You know, that now they got really no leverage, right? You can't yeah, have absolutely no leverage. Right. So now it's going to be like, okay, all right, I'll take it. You know, owners like, are going to call their bluff. Yeah. And be like, you really want to see us play hardball again? Again? Like, <laughs> You have two weeks to sign this contract. Best and final offers here. Definitely. Not even two weeks. Yeah. Uh, it's going to affect that. I think it's going to affect guys that need, like you just, you said it early with uh, Tristan Cassis, got players that need to get into the minor, you know. Into guys like Florial that need yeah. to have a good spring training and say, look, I batted 400 in spring training. I'm on the big league team. Right. Absolutely. And even guys that are, you know, the other the other end of the spectrum, the guys that are just hanging on, you know, the veterans that are, yep. you know, like a Brett Gardner. What if he signs with, you know, maybe he doesn't sign with the Yankees. Maybe he signs a minor league deal with uh, Tampa Bay or something, and he's got to go out there and, and win a spot, you know, and maybe he doesn't have enough time to do it. or Exactly. You know, so it's it's going to impact a lot of guys, good and uh, more bad than good, obviously, 
but the fringe, um, the four A players, the guys that aren't quite ready on the way up, and the guys that are on the way down, just like you said. So that was episode thirty-five of Talking Rivals. It's flying by. Um, You can find us streaming on Northeast Streaming Sports Channel on Roku. Thank you to the folks at Northeast Streaming Sports Channel. Uh, You can find us at Sportswire at sportnarium.com slash player. Thanks to Tom Bryce, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, That's pretty self-explanatory. And uh, like and subscribe to our YouTube page. And if you like what we do and in between episodes, find us at Talking Rivals. You can find Chris at CP7NY. He also does Lift Off Jets podcast with Charmin. And uh, I'm at Patrick Trotty. And until next time, hopefully we have some good news. So take care.